Kia ora koutou and welcome to Primary Matters, a podcast that looks into the things that matter to the primary industries. I'm Carol Stiles and in this series, Hook, Lime and Sinker, we're taking a dive into Aotearoa New Zealand's seafood and aquaculture industries. Right now, there's a push to build a seaweed industry in New Zealand and one of the dynamos behind it is entrepreneur Lucas Evans. He wants to turn seaweed into premium products that use environmentally friendly production systems, generate income which in turn supports healthy communities. Lucas is the CEO of Premium Seas and earlier this year was recognised for his work with seaweed at New Zealand's Seafood Sustainability Awards. He took out the award for Market Innovator. Lucas lives in Coromandel and that's where I met him. He's interested in creating products from a range of seaweeds, including seaweed that's being trialled for farming. <laughs> hey, victory! Lucas! Yay! Oh! Yeah. Yeah. You've got Yay. seaweed. <laughs> what do you, you found? Seaweed, look! Oh, Never wonderful. Seaweed. <laughs> oh, very good, look at that. Look at oh, that's doing well. That's awesome. Fantastic. Oh, wow. But his main focus has been Undaria penitifida, an invasive seaweed that's made itself at home here. It was introduced into the, the waters of New Zealand in the 80s in the ballast of ships, and it's taken hold. It's a highly regarded seaweed for, us, uh, for its food in Japan and Korea and China. And um, we've now got this abundance of this, uh, this resource here, albeit invasive, it is useful for something. And one of my missions is to establish high-value products made from it, so as to turn, turn it into a commercial opportunity for New Zealand and create jobs. And uh, I'd love to see it on the, on the plates of mums and dads and families here in, here in New Zealand, not just in high-end restaurants. Lucas is only allowed to harvest Undaria from man-made structures, from muscle lines. Once it's gathered, it's divided so it can be used for different products. Specific parts of the seaweed go into cosmetics and human health products and others for food and animal feeds. He has a number of products in the pipeline and has travelled to Japan and China to learn how to process salted wakame. Which is quite a specific process that's been designed to preserve the, the colour and the texture and the taste. So that's, uh, that's been a great hit with the high-end restaurants in low volumes, but again managed with a, making it a high-value product. So wakame is just another name for the Undaria? Yeah, so when it's in its food form it's known as, as wakame. And I understand in Coromandel Town you can buy some sausages with seaweed in them. A absolutely, and yeah, the, the innovation in using seaweed in, in products is really exciting to see. A leading example from our wonderful butcher here in Coromandel, the, the chopping block, who put some seaweed into a um, into a pork sausage and that became their, their biggest seller. We've got people coming to uh, Coromandel from all over the shop to buy them and taking back several kilos for their friends and family. Is that because it tastes good or is it because it's a novelty? I have spoken to people outside the butcher to get their take on it. There's a, a little bit of both, uh, but mostly for the taste and I think specifically around that, the fact that it retains its moisture. Really, really difficult to turn it into a dry sausage. It's also got that little bit of colour in it as well, which is a bit of novelty. And understanding that it was you know, hand harvested from the pristine cool waters of Coromandel <laughs> is only a value value add as well. Yeah. It's a muscle barge we can hear going past. Yeah, one of the one of the bigger barges, yep. The seaweed that we see on top of sushi, is that wakame? No, that's a, a, a different type and it's funny that it sort of, I get this um, question quite a bit. Is that like the bright green one that I see in a, in a seaweed salad? That's the one I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, and there's so much diversity in, in seaweeds. Yeah. 
there's so many different ways that you can use it, but I guess that that's typically how people have been exposed to, to seaweed and, and uh, seaweed products. But I've seen examples of our chefs using you know, seaweed to wrap around all sorts of things from hole snapper and using in in sauces and, and uh, glazes uh, through to putting them into, um, into, into mussel pies. So it's a tremendously versatile product. I think the challenge now for food producers in New Zealand is to uh, explore some of those opportunities for innovation so that we can in all, all enjoy seaweed. Lucas would love to export New Zealand-grown seaweed, although there are some challenges around meeting import requirements and food safety standards. He's exported to Australia and has put product into Tokyo for consumer testing. He believes Japan's the market to target and suspects that seaweed sent there would need to be unprocessed or possibly lightly blanched so as not to reduce its nutrient value. I'm about to engage in a whole host of different tests on, on different processing techniques and the product that comes from it. And then we can say, well, you should pay premium because of X, Y, Z, be quite specific about it, whether it's peptides or you know, nutrient profile or low heavy metals, whatever it might be. It's an environmentally friendly product too, obviously, because there's not many inputs needed to, to grow it. You don't have to water it, which is great. You don't have to feed it. It creates fish habitat as well, which is, which is fantastic. And it uh, soaks up nitrogen and, and phosphorus, so yeah, it's all positive all around. I don't worry too much about those environmental factors because it's all good news. So I just worry about the things that I need to worry about, like how to you know, maintain high, high standards of um, food safety or making the process of harvesting and packaging you know, and processing efficient. Food-grade seaweed needs to be traceable, so information is collected using GPS to show exactly where it's been harvested. The time and date are recorded, as is the water temperature. Lucas says because Undaria is an invasive species, there are strict requirements about its handling so that viable material isn't released back into the environment. Harvested seaweed needs to be kept wet and cold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the quality aspects I learned in Japan was that it can be sensitive to light. It is a seasonal seaweed, Undaria. Yeah. So it's an annual yeah, oh, yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah. So, and one of those, I guess, the, the upside of that is that it's a fast-growing seaweed. Right now, Lucas is selling seaweed into premium wholesalers in New Zealand, and they are distributing it to high-end restaurants. I get a lot of a lot more calls. Actually, things have changed over the last decade, where I'm now getting calls from mums and dads and and uh, uh, people looking to use it for home consumption and for their home meals. But I haven't got those distribution channels in place, so I'd love to see it in food stuff or in a you know a supermarket of some type. That would be ideal. How would you buy it? I would suggest that we could put it in a in a chilled format with a, a shelf life of a couple of weeks. We could do a frozen product uh, in a smaller format for people to take home and and uh, use it in, in their own way. Uh, that would have an extended shelf life. Uh, we could also prepare a do a semi-prepared salad, for example, with you know key dressings like sesame seed and chili, you know, typical sort of seaweed salad, but something that's available for people to pick up and then add to with other products like uh, you know lettuce or add your Spanish onion or whatever it was. Yeah. What do you want in a seaweed that you're going to make into a salad? Do you want it to be thick or thin or bright green or a more muted green? What are the requirements? Visually appealing, especially if you're putting it on a, a plate in a, in, a, in a fine dining restaurant where you're paying you know, $80 for the dish, so that's, that's important. So nice and, nice and clean, visually appealing, uh, no tatty ends, and um, presented in a way that's versatile enough for the, for the chef to do their own thing.
I think when I think of seaweed, I often think of that really thick kind of one that looks like a hand. Oh, yeah, like a bladder kelp or something. This is more like a lettuce leaf. Yeah, very much, yeah, yeah. so yeah, thin, um, thick enough to have a crunch, but not too much to be overwhelming on the on the palate. So. Not slimy? No, no, not at all. No, quite refreshing, especially when you partner it with things like cucumber, you know, lime, chilli, uh, sesame, it just sings. It's great stuff. Tastes healthy. So do you eat it? Absolutely, yeah, 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 um, yeah r- regularly. I've just come back from Stewart Island, actually, and I tried a lot of seaweeds down there that actually aren't meant to be eaten. But that's the that's the key to to try and innovate. Um, I tried one which uh, tasted like watermelon and cucumber, which was which was fantastic. But um, no, in terms of wakame, yeah, I use it regularly. Put it in chowders and and all sorts of things. It goes particularly well with eggs as well. Yeah. Has it got a like a salty, savoury sort of a taste? Yeah, and they talk about the you know umami flavour. Mm. Not sure that my my palate's that refined to actually know what it is, but. Uh, but I, I know what I like and I know it's good for me because it's got these nutrients and vitamins that you can't actually get from other foods as well. So what possessed you to get into this industry? The, 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 yeah. You obviously haven't been doing this all your life. You know, I, I, I actually used to work in the Australian Public Service and used to facilitate you know, heads of government and prime ministers and so it was all about airports. But, uh, you know, sitting at a desk, administration, policy, and I, I didn't like it. Um, I was fortunate to have roles where I could do some more exciting stuff, like, you know, kiss prime ministers on the forehead as they got off planes and whatnot. However, uh, it still wasn't enough. But I came over to Coromandel with my wife, who's from Coromandel, and that, that was it. I was drunk on the place. But then, of course, um, a, a friend of mine mentioned, uh, you know, this, this seaweed, and um, I went home and turned it into a business and, and just worked at it persistently and consistently for nearly 10 years or 10 years and eventually it, it became yeah life <laughs> and now you get to spend your days out on the water like this actually most days I spend working from my spare bedroom in and in back in an office but I look out the window and I see the water and I get to come out here with you know people who are like-minded I also get to go to big shiny factories and make high-end products as well from seaweeds and it's uh, yeah that's that's pretty pretty exciting for me as well. A completely different life. <laughs> Do you get sideways glances from people when you say that you're trying to establish a seaweed industry in New Zealand? Uh, it certainly gets a few people by surprise, absolutely. But I get less than I did five years ago or even three years ago. So I believe that seaweed's coming into its time and, and uh, people are starting to see it in, in mainstream food and in cosmetics and shampoos and things. So there's a lot more awareness. It doesn't shock people quite as much. With all our, all our beautiful coastline and, and um, uh, you know, established aquaculture uh, sector here with, with, with mussels and, and oysters, etc., we're well positioned to, to harness the opportunities of, of that and, and leverage into seaweed. That makes perfect sense. Ten years down the track, what do you hope will have happened with seaweed? Uh, multiple, multiple species of seaweeds being cultivated, multiple products, high-value products, and international recognition. Uh, recognition internationally, not just for high-end premium products and quality products, but also that sustainability picture for New Zealand. So I think New, um, seaweed has an opportunity to enhance that for, for New Zealand, which is already sentiment overseas. And multiple participants. I want to see 
lots of benefits for, for coastal communities and we don't want to see one or two corporates, we want to see lots of people involved in it and exciting jobs as well, not just shoveling seaweed around like you might typically think about a seaweed farmer but you know technical roles, marketing roles, product development roles. I'm really interested in the cosmetic space and uh, human health space um, beyond food so the, 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 the future is, is bright. Seaweed champion Lucas Evans and I'm Carol Stiles. You've been listening to Hook, Line and Sinker, a series in MPI's Primary Matters podcast. Thanks for joining me. Kia pai tada.